0: the british tv podcast with chrissy and ryan news reviews what's on tv this week dvd releases and special features all about british tv
1: hello and welcome to the british tv podcast show number 12 it's our christmas show
0: ho ho ho
1: i'm ryan in seattle and chrissy in seattle how have you been this week been good You seen anything interesting
0: Oh, let's see. I, I got the Norbert Smith Alive. life. I, I found that since you'd been talking it up last week when we did Harry Enfield and watched that. Were you amused? Yes, I enjoyed it very much. What was
1: your favorite pastiche in that?
0: Oh, uh, probably Hamlet is done by Noel Coward.
1: Oh, the clip that I used <laughs> yeah. in the show. Yeah, a friend of mine heard the podcast and he had seen Women Know Your Limits from his sketch show and mm-hmm. did not know that was Harry Enfield. So he was quite surprised. Like, oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. I saw An Education Over the Weekend, which is a movie, BBC Films movie, uh, with Carrie Mulligan, mm-hmm. who you might recall played Sally Sparrow in the Doctor Who episode Blink.
0: Oh, yes. Mm. And
1: in this, she plays a 16 year old schoolgirl who is seduced by an older man. It's in 1961. And she is excellent. There is a lot of talk of an Oscar nomination for her, she has a Golden Globe nomination already. Uh, her dad's played by Alfred Molina. He's very funny, very mm-hmm. stodgy, you know, middle class. Oh, he's always great. Yes. It's a very good movie. I would recommend seeing an education. So this week we have news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in the United States, and a feature on actor John Sim.
0: Ray for John Sim.
1: Yes. News. ITV is set to claim the 2009 ratings crown with... Burton's Got Talent's final, proving the most popular show of the year, and the broadcaster aired six of the top ten most watched programs up until early December. There might be a few uh, Christmas shows that uh, get in the top ten there. Uh, BBC's hoping that EastEnders and Doctor Who will reach the top of the charts. Although they're probably unlikely to overcome the 18.3 million viewers who watched the season finale of Britain's Got Talent on May 30th, it had a 68% audience share. Wow. That's a lot. Considering the multi-channel verse they have in England right now, that is really amazing. That, in fact, is the highest rated program on any UK channel since June 20th, 2006, when 18.5 million people watched the England versus Sweden 2000 Cup World Cup match. Uh, The second place most watched show was The X Factor with 15.5 million viewers for its finale. An episode of EastEnders on April 2nd was BBC One's most popular show, gathering 11.457 million viewers and a 49% audience share. ITV's Coronation Street on February 2nd was just behind with 11.45 million viewers and a 41% share. Boy, people love those soap operas, especially when they have dramatic storylines, as many of them will do over uh, Christmas as well. The highest-rated non-soap drama was ITV1's Martin Clunes vehicle, Doc Martin, on November 8th, with 10.3 million viewers tuning in. Doctor Who took second place with 9.9 million viewers for last month's special, The Waters of Mars. And an episode of Jonathan Creek broadcast on New Year's Day was in third place. Fourth place was ITV1's Whitechapel, and Wild at Heart was at number 6, Collision in number 7, Above Suspicion* 8, Ashes to Ashes, number nine, and in 10th place, Unforgiven. Again, some of those rankings may change with the Christmas programming. What's on TV this week? Again, many, many Doctor Who-related broadcasts, and we'll have a link in our show notes. It'll take you to Gallifrey Base, a fine Doctor Who site, and it will tell you all of them, including the repeats, the shows on radio, there are a lot of interviews and documentaries on radio, you can have a fabulous Doctor Who Christmas So Tuesday, older Tully fans might remember shows like Bagpuss and The Clangers and Ivor the Engine. They were all the work of Oliver Postgate, who passed away earlier this year. And he'll be remembered on a BBC4 documentary Tuesday night at 8pm. On BBC2, Clive Anderson presents the funny side of Christmas specials, with plenty of clips and reminiscences from those involved. And it's the season finale of BBC One's Paradox, Will they finally explain where the images from the future are coming from. I guess we'll have to just tune in and find out. If you missed the David Tennant-hosted Nevermind the Buzzcocks last week, it was a hoot by the way, Bernard Cribbins killed with his one-liners, and my favorite moment had to be when Noel Phelan asked him if he wanted to write for the Boosh.
0: Yep.
1: Being repeated on BBC Two Tuesday night. Charlie Brooker's Screen wipe Review of 2009 is on BBC Four at 1030 I'm sure it will be both hilarious and deadly, and it's repeated again on Wednesday night. Channel 4's Alan Carr, Chatty Man, has a Christmas special with Cilla Black, David Williams, and Justin Lee Collins.
0: Wednesday on BBC One, the circus sitcom Big Top continues, followed by the school-based drama series Waterloo Road.
1: And then on the season finale of Spooks, hey, when's it going to be shown here on BBC America? The team need to stop nuclear annihilation from occurring. No kidding, that's the plot.
0: That's a
1: good objective. The Grumpy Guide to Christmas is oppositeed on BBC2 with various celebrities describing what they hate about Christmas.
0: Nuclear annihilation being one of... If that
1: happens at Christmas, yeah. probably. What do you think of those grumpy guides?
0: I've only seen a few. Oh, they're, do you okay. They're all right. I, I tend to stick away from um, gripe lists just because I I watch TV to, well, I watch some TV to be scared, but mostly I I watch TV to be cheered up. Oh, okay.
1: It's it's a bunch of celebrities. They've, They've interviewed about 30 or 40 of them. They sort of slice and dice these interviews so they can make like an entire series of shows on a particular topic, and every celebrity gets their 30 seconds or 40 seconds to go on about it. The not going out Christmas special, we told you last week it had been picked up for a third season, goes out at 1045 Wednesday night on BBC One. Thursday, Christmas Eve, the My Family Christmas Special is at 8 on BBC One, and it might be mildly amusing as it is set in the year 2039, where 80-year-old Ben's turned into a silver fox, Janie's the size of a small house, Michael's bald, and poor Roger is now just a head floating in a glass dome after a freak accident at the zoo. Only Susan looks the same. The result, she insists, of regular Mm -hmm. moisturizing... Obviously, a clever reference to Zoe Wanamaker's appearances in Doctor Who as Cassandra. Moisturize me. Mm -hmm. Moisturize me.
0: It's followed at 9 p.m. by Victoria Wood's Midlife Christmas. We told you all about the great Victoria Wood two weeks ago. Here's your chance to see her in action, including spoofs of Lark Rise to Candleford, The Apprentice, and Lovey Actors.
1: Yes. We look forward to seeing new Victoria Wood material. Overnight TV, it's Taggart, the Scottish mystery series whose title character has been dead since 1994. But that didn't stop them. This is a brand new one in the popular series of police procedure roles. QI on BBC One at 10 is invaded by David Tennant. I think he's trying to wrestle the crown of John Barrowman for most appearances by an actor in a single week. <laughs> Let's count them all. Still, it should prove amusing. And Channel 4's Alan Carr Chatty Man repeats the Tuesday's Christmas special. Friday, Christmas Day, the best television day of the year in Britain. You stay in, put the telly on, watch great movies all day. And after tucking a dinner, sit down in front of the TV, and the real entertainment begins with The Gruffalo, a new animated special at 5.30 on BBC One. It's based on the classic children's picture book written by Julia Donaldson and illustrated by Alex Shuffler, it tells the magical tale of a mouse who takes a walk through the woods in search of a nut. Isn't it the plot of the Ice Age movies with the little, uh, threat? I'm shrugging
0: on radio, okay. I don't
1: know. Well, the, the cast includes Helena Bonham Carter, Rob Brydon, Robbie Coltrane, James Corden, John Hurt, and Tom Wilkinson.
0: And at 6 p.m., it's Doctor Who, The End of Time, Part 1, the beginning of the end for David Tennant's Doctor. It will be shown on BBC America the very next day. Part two is New Year's Day. You'll have an entire week, so sweat out what I'm sure will be a whiz-bang cliffhanger after part one.
1: Well, last year's penultimate episode, they looked like they were going to regenerate David Tennant. Mm -hmm. And then To Be Continued came out. And for a week, everyone's speculating, you know, oh my God, did they change doctors and didn't tell anybody? How are they going to get out of it? And you know that Russell T. Davies is going to try to top himself with something that's going to have everybody talking for seven days. So that should be fun. Last, though, if you're watching the Doctor Who Christmas special, you're going to miss the Queen's Christmas message over on BBC Two. It overlaps the last 10 minutes of Doctor Who. Are they crazy? Sorry, Betty. Doctor Who is immediately followed on BBC Three with Doctor Who Confidential, which will explain everything you've just spent 60 minutes watching. Thank goodness for that. At 7 on BBC Two, James May's Toy Stories continues where he attempts to build the longest ever model railroad tech. I don't know. I've seen some pretty big ones. I think he's going for 10 miles, though.
0: Hey.
1: He must have a really big downstairs. There's a Royal Family Christmas special at 9 p.m. on BBC One. This is the Carolyn Ahern comedy about a family that just sits around the living room and argues. What, What do you think about the Royal Family?
0: It's all right. It kind of ushered in the whole era of the naturalistic style of comedy. Well, it was from
1: Steve Coogan. I never quite got it. I kind of was not impressed with it. And I've always kind of not been overwhelmed by Carolina Hearn. And I've gotten a lot of criticism over this over the years. What? How come you're not like the royal family? Well, I just don't get it. So sorry about that.
0: On ITV1 at 9 p.m., Agatha Christie's Poirot with David Suchet in Appointment with Death. Suspects will include Tim Curry... Tim Curry, great. Emma Peniff, Paul Freeman, Mark Gatiss, and Elizabeth McGovern.
1: Boy, we haven't seen her for a while. Nope. I didn't realize they were still making these.
0: Nor I. I thought they were doing the Marples pretty exclusively.
1: Yeah. Gavin and Stacey on BBC One at 10 p.m. has its penultimate episode ever. Last week, nearly 6 million people tuned in to watch their show. Wow. And it's followed at 10.30 by Catherine Tate and Nan's Christmas Carol, where the foul-mouthed grandmother experiences the Charles Dickens ghost treatment. And guess who appears in it?
0: Gotta be DT. That's
1: right. David Tennant will be on. Are you keeping track at home? Saturday is Boxing Day in Britain and Canada. More family movies all day, including Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Weir Rabbit on BBC One at 4.40. The highlight of the day will be Hamlet. Can't remember who wrote that. Some guy. No Coward. No Coward, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it stars David Tennant and Patrick Stewart on BBC Two. It's 183 minutes and there's no breaks, so be sure to pee before it starts. And we're holding out hope that Masterpiece Classics will be running it sometime in 2010. I mean, isn't that the whole point why they got David Tennant to host it in the first place?
0: Yep, And he's the villain, too, in the new St. Trinian's movie. So not only is he on every channel all the time this month, but he is a one of the stars of the new movie that just came out. What's it called? St. Trinian's... Lefty's gold or something like that they're searching for a ring that's worth a lot of money oh and rupert everett's back as the headmistress
1: and this is in america now
0: no in the uk oh it's in the uk yeah. ah, that's theatrically why released in the uk
1: okay when did he have time to shoot that
0: i don't know he's got short silver hair in it and uh
1: oh well i saw him he was uh during the summer he had gray hair at one point and everyone thought oh my god he's gone gray and he must have been shooting that at the time okay cool it's good to see him doing villains again he's a good villain Mm -hmm. I think to be a good Doctor Who you have to be a good villain at 6.30 on ITV1 Harry Hill's TV burp review of the year will highlight some of the funniest moments some intentional some not of the previous 12 months If you want to see what a classic British Christmas TV experience was in its heyday, check out the Morcom and Wise Christmas show from 1973. The BBC will be showing at 9.10 p.m. To people of a certain age, Morcom and Wise were Christmas television with their huge star-studded spectacles. And afterwards, the documentary The Story of Slapstick is at 10.15 on BBC2 and explores physical comedy... From Buster Keaton to David Brent's dancing.
0: I'll watch that for sure. I love me some physical comedy.
1: Sunday has the Weakest Link West End Theater special with stars of several West End theater shows going up against Anne Robinson at 5 o'clock on BBC One.
0: At 7 p.m. on ITV One, Midsummer Murders with John Nettles in a two-hour mystery, Days of Misrule. On BBC One at 7.30, begins a series of celebrity mastermind, which incredibly won't feature David Tennant, as he already did it during comic relief earlier this year. It continues tomorrow night.
1: At 7.45 on BBC Two, the Top Gear team go to Bolivia to avoid a posse and are killed at the end by the Bolivian army. Wait, that's not right. Okay, okay, they they do go to Bolivia, but it's just the usual car-related nonsense. All right. At 9 p.m. Sunday night on BBC One is the conclusion of Cranford. PBS will be showing this all-new special next month. BBC Two counters with Steve Coogan, The Inside Story, which pretty much is like our podcast about him a few weeks ago, except it's longer, has more clips, and celebrity interviews. BBC Three has an amusing documentary also at 9 p.m. called Most Annoying People 2009, No Doubt Mocking Deserving Celebrities.
0: And at ten forty five on BBC One is the outnumbered Christmas special. This sitcom about two parents and their precocious kids recently won a British comedy award.
1: Boy, that is on really after the watershed. The kids who are in the show can't even stay up and watch it. Well, I mean they could, but there's no there's no law against it, but it is obviously meant not to be a program for children. Or to give them it's probably that way because the programmers don't want to give them any ideas. That's my theory. And I'm sticking to it. Monday, Big Top moves to Monday night at 7.30 on BBC One, the sitcom set in a rundown circus. At 9 p.m. on BBC One, a new two-part adaptation of The Day of the Triffids with an all-star cast including Doug Ray Scott, Jolie Richardson, Eddie Izzard, Brian Cox, Vanessa Redgrave, and Jason Priestley. Part two is Tuesday night. Awesome. When are we going to get that over here?
0: Oh, we'll get it somehow.
1: Well, but I mean, it yeah. should be shown so I everyone know. can see it. I love the day of the Triffids. Like... BBC Two Counters with a documentary, Not Again, Not the 9 O'Clock News, with a look at how the sketch comedy series broke ground 30 years ago and gave the world Roan Atkinson, Griffiths-Jones, and Mel Smith, among others. And Pammy. Pamela Stevenson, yes. She's married to Billy Connolly, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, she's written two biographies of him as well and it's interesting cuz she's a psychotherapist now. She's Dr. Connolly. She goes by her married name when she's pr- practicing medicine and so she has sort of analyzed his past and how that led to his adulthood cuz he had some traumatic incidents as a kid. So they're really well written. I wouldn't I would advise picking up either of his biographies as written by his wife.
1: And she's retired from acting, right?
0: Yeah, she had a show. Um, don't I don't know which station it was on called Shrink Rap, where she had a guest per like John Rivers or Stephen Fry, David Blunkett, and would just be in conversation with them for an hour.
1: But she was just playing a psychiatrist on TV then, not acting.
0: She, no, she wasn't acting. She You're just, just pres- being, being herself, a presenter, right? Yeah,
1: that's okay. If none of those shows appeal to you, on ITV1's An Englishman in New York, with John Hurt reprising his role as Quentin Crisp.
0: Oh, great.
1: First seen in the Naked Civil Service way back in the 1970s. I remember when PBS naked showed Naked Civil those.
0: Servant it was. Yeah, I, they announced that he was reprising the role ages ago, it seems like. A couple of years ago, I was wondering when it was going to show up.
1: Oh, showing up Monday night.
0: This is quite good.
1: And at 10.45 on ITV1, the South Bank Show looks at the Royal Shakespeare Company's rehearsals for its new Ukrainian play, The Grange Store. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: On Tuesday, the 29th of December at 8 p.m., This Is Your Life will feature June Whitfield on BBC2. You probably know her best as Adina's mother on Absolutely Fabulous, but she has been acting since the 1940s and has been a staple on British TV for decades. Terry and June being Mm -hmm. one of her series. And this is followed by an hour-long documentary where she tells her own story. Well, good for her.
0: I hope she does her wonderful Margaret Thatcher impression, (laughs) which she did on the Kumars and nearly scared everyone half to death.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's a pip. The Day of the Triffids concludes at 9 p.m. on BBC One. Will the plants win this time and take over? Guess we'll see. Mm -hmm. At 10.20 on Channel 4, Alan Carr Chatty Man New Year's special will have... You guessed it, David Tennant. Hooray. Davina McCall and Spandau Ballet will be performing. So Next week, we'll take you through all the New Year's weekend programs.
0: I know, it's a wealth of wonderful things to watch. And I have time off. I mean, it's for having hand surgery and not being able to type at work, but what a good time to just sit at home and... And watch a bit of telly. I'm
1: going to be out of town this weekend, so I'll probably be the last person in America who gets to see Doctor Who. <laughs> but uh, I'll
0: call you up and tell you what happened.
1: Ah, there we go. Okay. On BBC America this week, Thursday, it's all Christmas specials with Are You Being Served, the 1975 Christmas special, Catherine Tate's sketch comedy series, the Absolutely Fabulous Christmas special, and the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special from last year. Neat. Saturday Night has the American premiere, a mere one day after it ran in Britain, of Doctor Who, The End of Time, Part 1. And it's followed by Doctor Who, Inside Look, and The Graham Norton Show. The fifth season of Shameless continues Friday on the Sundance Channel. And on Adult Swim at 1 a.m. Sunday night, that is Monday morning, they start running Look Around You. It's a hilarious parody of 1970s science programs, all lovingly recreated.
0: Yep, it's marvelous, highly recommended. And any um, big name in British comedy, too, shows up in a cameo sooner or later. They even had Edgar Wright, who generally is behind the camera directing, spaced, then Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. He plays a small role in it, recurring character of a stage manager in both the... London studio and the Scotland studio where his character looks just the same, but with a kilt (gasps) when they go to the Scotland studios there for life.
1: So that's a look around you on adult swim. Check it out. DVD releases in the U S there's nothing. You should be watching TV instead. Life on so our feature is on john Sim, who will be seen this week in the little known doctor who playing the master but he has a long and storied career in tv movies and theater and we'll tell you some about it
0: ah yeah, he's went back to theater in the last couple of years and i think he was I could be wrong with this, but if I'm not mistaken, he was nominated back-to-back for Olivier Awards for some this year and then also last year for some plays. He didn't win either time, but...
1: Yeah, if you look on the IMDb, his credits for the last several years are incredibly sparse, which makes me believe that, yes, he's been on stage. friend of the show, Miriam, saw him in Speaking in Tongues. She told us that a little bit about that during our segment on Graham Norton. Mm-hmm. Well, he started in the 90s doing various uh, TV appearances, as you do as a jobbing actor, including A Pinch of Snuff, which was a mystery with comedians Hale and Pace set in an exclusive gentleman's club. And in 1995, he was in the anthology series Chiller in an episode entitled Here Comes the Mirror Man.
2: Oh, God. It's weird. Why did you leave the hostel, Gary? I didn't like it. I pulled in all kinds of favours to get you on your feet. Why did you have to go and do this to me? Sorry. What am I going to do with you, Gary? Look, I'm happy enough as I am. That's not going to wash. I am. I'd rather be in here than five to a room with the other four of them snoring and farting all night. <laughs> snow fart, snow fart. It was like sleeping with horses. Is that the real reason? I like to be on my own. Did Michael tell you to move out? That's all over now. I haven't seen Michael in ages. <laughs>
1: I want to see where you've been sleeping. And then he appeared in the David Threlfell sitcom Men of the World as Kendall Baines with really bad 90s hair. Here's a scene in a pub with a former lover.
2: It's quite sweet that really, isn't it? What is? Them, Lenny and that, giving us a chance to chat. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ever since we split up, I've wanted a chance to chat. Reminisce, you know. Talk about the old days. Day? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was just one day, wasn't it? Well, all right then, shall we talk about it? The old day? not even a day, was it? It was just a night in the morning. Yeah, but it was a great night. And a great morning. Yeah, it was. We met. We went to bed together. And then we got up. Right, you can come back now
1: I completely forgot that I had ever seen this show I mean, it was uh, 14 years ago the time, though, my review was Interesting if only for insight into the life and times of young men And their women in modern Britain
0: He did a lot of films around that time, too, which were very similar. Just young man in modern Britain, here is his story.
1: Yes, he is very young in these shows. You watched Men of the World recently, didn't you?
0: I watched a little bit of it. It didn't really hold my attention.
1: Because it wasn't very good. And in 1997, he had a recurring part in the Warren Clark miniseries, The Locksmith, But I really began to notice John Sims in 1997's The Lakes, written by Jimmy McGovern. And in this four-part BBC drama about life in a small lake district village. As it suffers a crisis, John played the point-of-view character, a young scouser named Danny Cavanaugh, who impregnates and weds a naive student, played by Emma Kunuf, from the village. And then he follows her back home when his gambling habits become too much. So soon he's implicated in a tragic accident, and we witness the secrets and passions that threaten the entire community. And here he is, and first arrives in town. And he tries to get a job at the local hotel.
0: Yes.
2: Well, I assume. Can I see the manager, please? Words and yes. Hmm? Well, short of saying, call me back when you're sober. What can you do? Mm. Now I won't have the answer today, if possible. Well, what happens? If I am the manager. I was, I was wondering if you had any jobs going. Scouser? Oh. Oh. Yeah. I sacked a Scouser yesterday. Do you want to hear my theory about Scousers? Yeah. Born idle. It's not your fault, you understand. It's in your genes. You're all descended from the feckless Irish. Half-starved, you get on a boat, you get as far as Liverpool and say, So that, I'm going no further. This'll do. The ones when any gumption moved on a bit. Leeds, London, America. The feckless Ulster in Liverpool. Oh, oh. I'll take that as a no, then. And Sally. Show me. Endeavour. You know exactly where you
0: find
2: me. Any health problems? Oh. No. Yeah. How long? I've got an infectious laugh. <gasps> well, rather her than me. Three of them. Follow me. Oh, I hate man jumping. What was really
1: incredible was that The Lakes seemed to be a mini-series with a beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. and it got picked up for a second season. And in that one, Danny was the only sensible character. Everyone else in the village seemed to be sleeping with somebody they shouldn't have been. Maybe there was something in the water.
0: Yeah, I've just seen the first, not the second, so... What do you think of The Lakes? I liked it very much. I thought it was a really good... He carried it very, very well for being a young actor.
1: Yeah, I think that was a really big break for him. And Jimmy McGovern, whenever you see his name on anything, check it out. I can't think of anything he's done that I haven't found compelling. In 2000, Johnson made an appearance in Paul Abbott's anthology series, Clocking Off. And this is important because Philip Glenister was featured in a lot of episodes as well. We're going to see how this all connects here very soon. And he also starred in the TV movie Never Never, written by Tony Marchant, about a young loan shark, played by John Sim, who is king of the housing estate he extorts until he's brought low by one of his victims. He loses it all, and irony of ironies, he has to move into the same housing estate and live with those he once took advantage of. But see, since he knows how they're being ripped off, he reluctantly helps them start a credit union and then ambitiously wants to expand to become a real high street bank and he falls in love with an unwed mother, although she's hiding a secret that could tear their relationship apart. It was a very gritty, urban drama. As such, you shouldn't expect the happily ever after ending. But Tony Martin's another uh, writer who I really like his material quite a bit. Mm -hmm. He did Holding On, and uh, this was another thing that really focused on John Sim and his character. He's in almost every scene, and you really get to see him kind of run the gamut of you know high flyer i'm king of the world to utter humiliation and having to kind of start from the bottom again his character really goes through the ringer and that was never never and in 2003 he was cal mccaffrey in the paul abbott drama state of play
0: i didn't see it for a few years after it came out but when i did it was probably the My favorite thing I watched that entire year. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: I'm watching it right now, and it is absolutely amazing. Huge, big cast. Everyone's great. Minor, minor characters. You know, policemen and stuff like that are uh, well-cast, well-played. Spotting a lot of people from the Paul Abbott Repertory Company, especially who turned up in Shameless.
0: Yeah. The
1: The little girl. Yeah, Chewy. Plays Patty on Shameless, the little girl. And it's interesting that in State of Play, John Sim was cast as the nice guy reporter, friend to everyone. But I sort of like the how the relationship between all the characters are. I mean, everyone cooperates quite a bit in this show because mm-hmm. they're trying to solve this really very complicated, convoluted mystery. I can't even imagine how they boiled this down to a two-hour Hollywood movie.
0: Well, you should watch it. It's it's interesting.
1: Now, who played the John Sim character in the movie? Russell Crowe. Isn't he a bit old?
0: <laughs> and uh, Ben Affleck playing the David Morrissey character with Robin Wright pen playing his wife.
1: Wouldn't it have been better to have it the other way around?
0: That's what everyone said, yeah.
1: Oh, man. Hmm. Well, check out the BBC version where Philip Glenister was cast as a kind of proto-Gene Hunt detective chief inspector. And here he is in a scene where he is interrogating Cal, played by John Sim. Something would become very familiar to viewers in Life on Mars.
2: Who gave you the briefcase, Mr. McCaffrey? For the tape, this is the second time I've asked for a phone call what part of a professional journalist pretended evidence like this should be kept from the police? Phone call. The greedy part? Phone call. Or the part protecting his mate, Stephen Collins? Look, I worked for him once, about nine years ago. He didn't do it. Phone call. When he sheltered from the press, he came to your house. So? What, he denied having anything to do with her death? I didn't deny it, no, because he was never asked. Never remotely crossed your mind? Look... He was on a train she went under another. somebody paid for a professional hitman the briefcase implies that yeah yeah but you're excluding the very public figure who had everything to gain by getting rid of her how come if the reason you're keeping me here is to stop me doing a better job than you can then i would be seriously embarrassed about that you know i'd want to lead not follow will you ask for that i said 10 minutes ago it was getting repetitive were either of you listening
1: So in 2006, I think Matthew Graham, Tony Jordan, and Ashley Farrow launched Life on Mars, no doubt having seen Philip Glenester and John Sim in state of play. And so we had Gene Hunt and Sam Tyler. And again, John Sim was made the point of view character. He's in every scene. And as you were telling us a couple weeks ago, he was exhausted.
0: He was. I There's a lot of. Featurettes if you get the DVD box set. And he, he was a tired gentleman indeed. But there's other funny stories. He told them that he and Mark Warren had been friends, and they were actually co stars in a very low budget movie in the mid 90s. So they've been friends a long time. And Mark Warren played a character, a first episode of the second series. And John Sims said that he called him up at home because he was at the BBC getting his wardrobe and he was all excited because he'd spotted the Sam Tyler leather jacket on a hanger there and had to have a little geek out moment there. (laughs) So I thought that was rather cute.
1: Life on Mars was very popular in Britain. It was very popular over here. It spawned a sequel series, Ash Dashes, which alas does not have Sam Tyler in it. I think it really showed off john sim's ability to, to carry i mean obviously you hadn't proved it already with mm-hmm. you know two other series but you really kind of bought into the show if you liked john sim and you liked the character because you had fallen through an awful lot of stuff that might have been one of the problems with the american remake whether that actor was as cr- charismatic as john sim is
0: jason amara's he's he's a totally different type of actor to john sim he's an irishman he was playing an american in it um, I saw him in a play in London many years ago and thought he was very good. But he's he's big and strong and buff, and John Sim is more wiry and tough, but not a not a macho man.
1: But he's intense, John Sim. I mean, that is what you hire John Sim for is intense. If you had to yeah. use one word, and I can't think of anybody on this side of the pond who can deliver that. I mean, they hire Russell Crowe, who's an Australian, yeah. to. Do he's something, part. too.
0: He's sort of an everyman, you know, um, but the longer you look at him, you just don't want to look at anyone else. He's got a very engaging face and a very good smile without being a Hollywood hunk. And I, I always go for interesting looking people over the Hollywood hunks every time. So, yeah, he's somebody that I'm, I'm happy to look at for 13 episodes, too.
1: Yeah, he flashed that uh, smile very croupily uh, when he played the master
0: that must be fun for him because he's a very natural actor and underplays, if anything, in a lot of, lot of his roles. And so to just get to chew the scenery and spit it out again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now then, Doctor! Oh, new voice. Hello. 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 Anyway. Why don't we stop and have a nice little chat while I tell you all my plans and you can work out a way to stop me. I don't think. Hold on, I know that voice. I'm asking you really properly. Just stop. Just think. Use my name. Master. I'm sorry.
0: So, he's done a lot of movies. He has and a lot of British movies. And he Boston Kickout, he was the lead in that and that's where he met Mark Warren who's playing a skinhead in it. Who Mark Warren is a
1: skinhead. Yeah. Wow. I don't think of Mark Warren, I was thinking of his hair.
0: No, it was it was no hair. It was very short in that. And he was kind of a jerk to him but they sort of became a little bit friendlier as the film went on, the characters. And what else were there? There was the um, Human Traffic, Sex Traffic, two different films. I think Wonderland, if I'm not mistaken. I've, I've seen a lot of his very low-budget, mid-to-late-90s films. And I've got a stash of his more recent television product to watch. Uh, he's played Vincent van Gogh. He has done a lot of period dramas, Crime and Punishment, and The Devil's Whore.
1: I think of him as such a contemporary guy. I've never seen him do a period thing with Life on Mars, accepted, but Mm -hmm. that would be really interesting to see him doing that kind of stuff.
0: He and Philip Glenister were just reunited with a film for TV called Tuesday, which I've got, but I haven't watched yet.
1: Boy, I hate to say it, but I'm almost thinking I'm going to start typecasting Philip Glenister, even though I'd seen him in tons of things before Mm -hmm. Life on Mars ever came around now. Because now he's even playing the character in commercials and stuff.
0: Has he and his brother ever done anything together? Cause,
1: Possibly. Robert
0: Glenister, you know, from Hustle and a few other things. No, oh,
1: yeah. I don't know if they've done things together. Hmm. Who knows? I have not seen any period material that John Sim has done, and I would like to uh, see what he'd be like in that, because I always think of him as, as a contemporary kind of guy.
0: Well, he's, he's done that, too. So he's not been on TV a lot
1: lately, except for Doctor Who, where he started playing the master in 2007. He was quite amazing, considering that he took over from Derek Jacobi and... Because you think, oh, I got Derek Jacobi as the master. You know, like, just leave him in. He's great. When, I was
0: telling my mother that they got rid of him too soon. As much as I like John Sim, they should have given Derek a longer run, I think.
1: Well, but, you know, John Sim is no slacker either. And he was very good in that role. Very charismatic and showing off and, and stagey and crazy and all that. And we thought that they killed him off at the end. But uh, much like Ming the merciless, his ring went missing. And uh, he'll be back this week on Doctor Who. Or is he? You know, if you've seen the trailers, he looks like he's kind of... Yeah, I don't know what's going on in that. Maybe he's chameleon. It's not really him at all. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Guess we'll find out. Oh, you haven't seen this. So Tom Baker's last story uh, was also a master story. And the cliffhanger to the last episode was that the universe was coming to an end and the master and the doctor had to join forces to save the universe. And the cliffhanger is them shaking hands because mm-hmm. that tells you how desperate things are. And surely Russell T. Davies is aware of that and probably aware that most Doctor Who fans have seen that. So he can't do that kind of a thing. He's going to have to do something different, and it'll be interesting to see what he's got up his sleeve. But he's got to know the history of the show and, and be tapping into that. So it'll be quite interesting. i like to say he's been doing a lot of stage work, uh, including a run in Speaking in Tongues in the West End right now. So if you happen to be in London, you can go see Johnson in person.
0: Yeah, they had him in a, his first return to the stage after many years was at this little black box theater. And I saw a show there too, and it's tiny and you just sit, they have sort of plywood big steps and that are carpeted. And that's where you sit. It's very uncomfortable for a long show. And I can't imagine why they would have put him hot off life on Mars in this tiny, tiny theater where the run sold out in about two minutes. How'd you get in? Oh, I didn't get in. I, I'm, I've, been in a diff- I've been in the theater for a different show. Oh, I did you not see guess- John Sim. Oh. I might have mentioned that before. <laughs> Saw Jason O'Mara, but not John Sim on stage, unfortunately. But I was just surprised that when, I mean, uh, the, the peak of his popularity, when he decided to go on stage, they put him in this little theater um, in West London. What was the play? I can't think of the name of it. He played a recently released mental patient. And he's rooming with another fellow from the same institution. And they're trying to readjust to life on the outside. And it was supposed to be somewhat of a comedy with dramatic elements. And he was nominated for a um, Olivier for it.
1: That is really curious why he'd be in a small venue. Yeah,
0: tiny venue. Because I saw a one-man show there. And it was the smallest theater you can imagine. Maybe, maybe 200 people tops Hmm. could sit in there.
1: So there's a brief overview there of John Sim. He's still a young guy,
0: born in 1970, so... And he can sing and play the guitar, too. Where have you seen him do that? 24-hour party people. Oh, right. Yep, and he gets to... And he's also sang in some of Echo and the Bunnymen's albums. And because he played the lead singer of New Order and 24-Hour Party People, he gets to get up on stage and sing with them when they play in London now. So, Wow. There's little clips on YouTube you can find of him dancing around with them on stage.
1: We'll put some links on the show notes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Neat. Well, he's, like I say, he's got a lot of years in front of him here when he wants to go back to TV and do a series, and maybe Paul Abbott will write something cool for him. That would be great.
0: Uh, do you think he'd ever come over, could make it as a Hollywood actor? they know what to do with him? Make him play the villain.
1: <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that... He, Brad
0: Pitt, kill, you know, punches him out or something. You know?
1: I would probably hazard a guess that he's been offered, you know, British villains in mm-hmm. American movies. And he said, no, thanks. But he doesn't need that. I mean, he's getting really great parts on television, great parts in the theater.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What more does he need?
0: Well, some people just have that ambition. The Brits, you know, like DT coming over here for a pilot sort of thing.
1: Yes, but he's getting to play the lead in an American TV series. So Mm -hmm. that's a little different than having to play, you know, the stock villain. Right. I think we have, believe it or not, I blame Stanley Kubrick because we need Spartacus all the slaves were Americans and all the Romans were played by British. And that sort of established the British people are evil, which of course George Lucas, uh, exploited quite a bit in star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then you get, uh, movies like die hard and things like that. So poor British actors over here, but some of them do pretty well. If they can throw on an American accent as David Tennant is doing and Hugh Laurie and many, many others. And we'll have to, uh, We'll explore how British actors are taking over American television here, one of these uh, shows.
0: Well, could John Sim come over here and be like a Kiefer Sutherland on 24? Because he's intense, something like that on television. Yeah,
1: boy, you know, Kiefer like the only guy I can think of who is probably as intense as John Sim is. Because, yeah, Kiefer really does turn out to 11, even though he becomes somewhat of self parroting sometimes. It, it's, You know, you, you really believe it. He's, he's got the look behind his eyes. Huh, interesting. Guess we'll see. I, we'll,
0: yeah. Let's write a screenplay and send it to him. There we go. Uh,
2: <laughs> and will finances <laughs>
1: how? I don't think he's very bankable. Not over here. <laughs> Obviously in Britain he is.
2: I could be a handsome prince A little frog deserves a kiss Never mind the wicked witch Your mom won't be there How can I hold my head high in the cracks in the pavement
1: so next week, we will finally debate the best Naughty's Comedy.
0: Yep, I'm, I'm sticking with
1: my choice. Well, I've been hearing some nominations of things. Mm-hmm. People were asking me, is Father Ted count? And I said, no, Father Ted is 1990s. Yeah, it was 96, the 90s. I think. When... Yeah, and it finished before, really mm-hmm. before the decade started. So, sorry, Father Ted. But there's many, many possibilities, including, oh, The Office and Green Wing and uh, Extras. Ricky Gervais of his own category. But... You and I will battle it out next week, and as well as telling you all of the programs that will see us through the new year. So it's quite exciting. And no doubt we will talk a little bit about the first part of the Doctor Who special, because we won't be able to avoid it. So be sure and check it out, otherwise there'll be massive spoilers. But you really have no excuse. It'll uh, it's coming over here mm-hmm. legitimately on BBC America. It'll probably be on demand.
0: Big fun. Yep. Of course, we're saying goodbye to David unless there's a film, but...
1: doesn't look like there's a film right now. I I saw an interview with Russell C. Davies and someone says, what are you doing in America? Because you asked me that a couple weeks ago. And he is trying to... He is working with BBC Worldwide. And Worldwide is trying to become a production entity. Because BBC is not interested in taking over the earth. Mm -hmm. But Worldwide is. And so that's why he's working with... Julie Gardner. Julie Gardner. And they're trying to get, you know, co-productions going. Mm -hmm. There's a very interesting interview. I'll do a link to it. And talking about uh, his first impressions of working in the United States, how things are different, how things are the same. He said it's very funny when Americans come up to him and and say, oh, it must be great. You get a six-part miniseries and you got all the scripts ready. He goes, we don't have the scripts ready. You usually have two done. You're just like you guys. You're cranking those things out to have them ready and they're already shooting. So... Very interesting as yes. he plans his version of world domination. Then he figures he'll be going back to Britain and you know, ITV will give him six hours to do whatever he wants mm-hmm. and he can do something and when that time comes it, it will happen. Meanwhile, you can go to our website, britishtvpodcast.com, where you can find links to news items, show notes, links to things that we've talked about, what's on TV this week. Boy, is there a lot of stuff. And an archive of sh- old shows. And you could send us feedback at feedback at British TV Podcast.com. If you have a comment, suggestion, criticism, whatever, funny story, send it to us. We'd love to hear from you. So hope everybody has a wonderful and safe Christmas, especially if you're traveling. And sit in front of the telly, enjoy those fine shows. And we'll be here next week to talk about them and more. So happy holidays
0: to you and you and you.